Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And today is a sad day. Yes. I was just going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We mourn the passing of Carl. Carl the turkey. Right? He's a turkey, (laughs) That's a turkey. Or vulture? No, it's a turkey. Carl is an urban turkey that has made his way into a certain area of Kenosha and the police scanners are always going off about how someone calls the cops because Carl's in the road. He actually was on our front lawn the like when we first moved into our house. Oh, your new one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they actually created up a fan page for him. Carl. Carl, the turkey. Well, Carl's been hit by a car. (laughs) (laughs) Carl is no longer with us. <laughs> R.I.P. As everyone on Facebook is now posting. And a whole bunch of local businesses are posting pictures of them. And... R.I.P. <laughs> like, wow. I'm sorry, but wow. <laughs> we can only... I was just joking with him uh, off mic how we ought to post and really get people mad at us, you know, on the morning page, whatever that's, you know, I think it's the Kenosha police or something. Just that we assume that everyone who's mourning his passing are also hopeful that we can overturn Roe v. Wade because obviously the love of life is strong in these people. Yeah. It's a turkey. <laughs> I'm sorry. We all ate it for... Yeah. A whole bunch of other Carls yeah. unceremoniously had their heads cut off. Yeah. You ever seen them uh, slaughter a turkey like on a farm? Mm-hmm. You have? Mm-hmm. Once. Where? I think it was at some camp. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a group project? Yeah, I was little. Yeah. <laughs> How'd they do it? Did they cut the head off or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've never seen like where they grab it and just spin it. Well, I've never seen that either. Or I guess you do that with chickens, right? I we I would do that when we'd go pheasant and pigeon and duck hunting. You would just break the neck if they weren't quite dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I got real good at that. But turkey, that's they're big. Yeah. We actually had a family in our church that ran a Christmas tree farm, and they also raised chickens uh, for meat. And I was asked by them, they were busy, and they're like, could you take our son over to get the chickens slaughtered? They had 300. I had like 50 of them that I had paid for. I'm like, sure. But there was a few turkeys involved too. And so they actually, the farm where we took it to, he had lined up on, nailed to a uh, barn uh, where they processed everything, these like um, funnels, metal funnels. And you would take the chicken and you just grab them by their feet and turn them upside down. They go limp. They just, it's kind of cool. And then you stick them in there and pull the head out the bottom of the funnel. And so you, 
it's kind of people might be oh my gosh but i mean it's like this is how you get your chickens and so you got all these chickens upside down in this, these funnels with their feet sticking up and their heads sticking down and then the guy comes up with a sharp razor he just cuts the uh, throat just, just and they bleed them. out yeah. and it was very quick but it was quite startling the first time i saw it the turkeys um now this guy he's a farmer an animal is just said an animal. I remember he had the turkey I handed to him, and somehow he it it flung its head up and bit him, and it hurt. <laughs> he punched the turkey with his fist, and then he stuck it in and cut his throat. I'm like, wow, <laughs> uh, no love lost there. There was no mourning of the passing of that turkey. But I mean, from the moment that they died to the point that they became just like the chicken you looked at in a uh, grocery store was about 15 minutes because they would take them, um, cut the head off, and then they dip them in pe melted paraffin wax. And I'm like, just, why? Defeather that. And that's how, yeah. And so then they would lift it back up and they had this big machine that just spun around really fast and it had all these little rubber fingers. And you would just hold the chicken. I know it was the dumbest looking thing. I mean, like maybe four or five hundred rubber fingers sticking out, spinning around. And you stick the chicken and holding the legs. And then the fingers wow. hit the, yeah, yeah. and and they defeather it in about, I don't know, 30 seconds. And from there, it was just a few cuts here, there, and boom. All of a sudden, you just got a chicken that you would buy like at a grocery store. It's kind of cool. Um Anyhow, we went through 300 chickens and like 10 turkeys in about half hour. I'm like, okay. Well. Yeah, you quickly get desensitized at that point. Anyhow, we you asked you. know there's going to, did we say, talk about, there's going to be a ceremony for him? There probably will. Heck, they're going to probably have some guy put a crucifix and you're going to see those <laughs> Catholic candles uh, wherever he got hit. Meanwhile, the guy that hit him is cursing his name. He's probably got some yeah. dent in yeah, his Yeah, he's car. probably already... In hiding. Oh, yeah, because you're, yeah. Uh, who wants to be the murderer of Carl, the turkey? Anyhow, we ask you, light a candle in his name, yeah. Carl. That will be the picture for this episode. <laughs> Poor Carl. <laughs> we don't want an email, by the way. So <laughs> it's just, it's just a turkey. So we're going to talk about denying folly. Foolishness, <laughs> foolishness, denying foolishness. Like, you know, following Carl on Facebook. Yeah. Carl was a fool. Don't be Carl. <laughs> we have people yeah. in our church who follow that <laughs> Facebook. So, again, we don't want to get yelled at. We're just, oh, we're just being us. Yeah. But if you're like Carl, you'll end up dead. Yeah. And are you ready? Is Carl a gospel <laughs> issue? That's the question. <laughs> we should inquire from Gospel Coalition. You know, how is Carl a gospel issue? <laughs> I've got a headache. I'm on Tylenol right now. I, I can't be held accountable. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> I, I wonder if Mark and Lane are going to edit this. <laughs> and are you ready? <laughs> Is that how you evangelize out on the street? <laughs> so if you were like, no, never mind. <laughs> Stop, Matt. Stop. <sighs> uh, 
I got to get myself under control. <laughs> okay. Because we're, we're actually talking about a simple but important topic, <laughs> wisdom important. for living, yeah. denying foolishness. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> go for wisdom, it. Wisdom, wisdom. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, this is a topic near and dear to our hearts. Um, and so we want to discuss the need and the value for denying foolishness. Um, Folly, simply put, uh, it is something that destroys lives. It is something that we, we deal with a lot a in lot. our pastoral life. Um, decisions are, are made many times in spite of good counsel uh, and clarity within the Word of God to do something or not do something. And it sets into motions a series of consequences that lead to more decisions and usually foolish ones that then result in more consequences. And the fruit of that often is uh, much. It's broken relationships, lost spouses, lost children, uh, destroyed reputations, uh, poverty, pain, um, many things, bad things. And yet knowing this and then avoiding it are two very different things, right? Way more than we want to admit as people. Yep. Uh, how often will you give counsel to a person and they'll say, Yep, but I know, I know. Or yeah, or yeah, but, but, but. And you're like, you're just, you've already, you're predisposed not to receive it. And yeah, and, but but they'll still ask. And it's like somehow almost like a uh, an attempt to deal with their conscience that they know they probably are doing it wrong. So they ask the counsel just to hopefully either get affirmation that, yeah, that's an acceptable thing or to somehow feel like, well, you know, I, I'm seeking the counsel of pastor. Um, but you realize they, they don't have any intention of following this, but yep. anyhow. So we would say that the, the person is by definition a, a fool, that is a fool who loves folly. Uh, and therefore it is, it is not, and here's the key distinction, it's not for lack of knowledge, uh, but rather it's, it's simply a heart issue that is driving that person. So today we want to discuss this for a little bit, uh, and the temptation for all of us is to think it always applies to somebody else and not us. And so we would ask that you first examine yourself before turning your mind outward. And you may, you may be as wise as you believe yourself to be, but perhaps there is still folly stored up in your heart that needs to be uprooted. And so when you consider the idea of, of foolishness in the Bible, and specifically in Proverbs, it is seen as one of the most dangerous realities that we might face. And so we have uh, seen in other podcasts that the answer is to fear the Lord. That's always the remedy. And if you've not yet heard that episode, we'd say that, go back and listen to that one. And then after that, listen to this one. Yeah. And in fact, we were just making light of Carl, right? But one of the things that we do in our culture is we elevate our pets and animals to that of personhood, right? We, mm -hmm. we treat them like they're our child. Um, I, I remember one lady, she had a dog that um, couldn't go to the bathroom on its own anymore. Um, he would choke easily on any kind of food. So she would every day boil chicken breasts. She would not just anything, it had to be boneless, skinless chicken breasts, and then carefully cut them up and hand them to the dog piece by piece and then massage his throat because he would choke. He was so old. And I, I'm like, why don't you just have him put down? And she became so angry at me. She's like, 
he's, he's part of the family. I said, no, he's just a pet. And, oh, man, I got an earful of that lady. But at the same time, her children resented the dog because she treated her dog with greater tenderness than she did her own children. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, she's estranged from every one of her children mm-hmm. um, to this day. And we would say that even that, I mean, it's fine. It's kind of cool. Have a turkey walking around your neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. Fine. We appreciate that. But it's still a turkey. It's, it, it's, it, it's a creature. It doesn't carry the image of God. And that's just foolishness when you get to the point where you're, you're literally, your emotions are caught up to the point. It's okay to miss your dog when you have to put a dog down that's been a faithful companion. Uh, we understand all of that. I, I've, I've had to put down, have you, you, you don't even have pets. No. Do you have even a fish? No. Yeah. I grew up with them. And so it was, it's, it was hard when we had to tell, you know, you remember Bear, he was a good dog. Mm-hmm. And it was hard uh, to say goodbye. Um, because he was a faithful, he protected our children and everything else. But he was, in the end, he was still just a dog, and it was time to no longer be part of our home. Not our family, just part of our home. Anyhow, before we get into foolishness, though, as a subject, we want to define it, it, it just a bit. There are all t- types of terms that the Bible uses specifically in Proverbs that are very negative, but not all of them are equally bad. So the first thing that the Bible talks about is the naive one. The naive one is a person who is very open-minded and untaught. This makes them easily led astray. And so if they remain in this state of naivete, they will become fools. They're not yet fools, but they will become fools because that is the natural inclination of the heart of man. To be one who fears God would be uh, much like the New Testament version of a believer or a Christian. Um, A a, a God-fearer is a believer. Uh, It results in a heart change. It makes lasting change now possible. It is that primary need that everyone has. But to assume that until a person is a believer that there is nothing you can do, that nothing you can do is folly— Hang on, let me reread that sentence. But to assume that until a person is a believer, that there is nothing you can do is that would be folly in itself. What it it's still clumsy. What I'm trying to say is even an unbeliever is capable of not doing foolish things. Right. Um an unbeliever is just naive in and of themselves. But as they harden themselves in that naivete, it leads to folly. I guess that's a better way to say it. So we're to train up our children, even though they're at that point unbelievers, still in the ways of the Lord. And that's part of what Paul meant in Ephesians 6. Uh, we are to wrap them in a blanket of wisdom, if you will, within the home so that it saturates and envelops them in every way possible. And this means that we are very, very, very reluctant to allow any major influence to be in their life that's not overtly godly. The years within the home are training times to prepare them to live for Christ in the godly manner before the face of an ungodly generation. When your child is better at understanding Minecraft or can do the latest dance moves or sing in perfect sync to the top songs but can't quite remember to obey mom or or read their Bible— and have an intelligent discussion about what is read, then you have a serious problem in that home. You definitely have created a naive person, 
But worse, your child is now well on their way to becoming a fool, which will be devastating. Yeah. And I, I never forget when I was uh, working through Psalm 19, I uh, preached it yep, uh, quite a few a years ago. Psalm. Yeah. Um, it, th- there's <clears throat> multiple, I think six things in there that describe the Word of God. Yeah. And then its value and then what it produces. And one of them is that phrase, uh, it makes wise the simple. Yeah. Uh, the word simple there is, is it's the idea, I guess, like a, of an open door or an open gate. Yep. And the, the point there is, it, it speaks of open-mindedness. Yes. Because whatever is allowed in, that's what, what you become. And so our culture praises open-mindedness, but really all you are is naive. Uh, you're, you're just going to become the product of whatever is passing into you or what's influencing you. And so it's a, the wise person is one who's learned to shut that gate. Yes. And it, that's where the word of God then comes in is now you know how to think and interpret and what you should open the door and when you should shut the door. And so with children, their gates are wide open, right? Yep. So you got to be careful of those influences uh, because it's just very passive and it's going to shape them. Yeah. You, so the Christian faith is very close-minded in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Yep. Um, so that was naive. Uh, the, the next one would be then the fool. Uh, and, and the fool is not just a dense person who's not real bright. Um, <laughs> no. We all know those people. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's Carl. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, we, our culture actually has a lot of funny statements, you know, not the sharpest crayon or brightest crayon in the box, not the yeah, <laughs> whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so it's, yeah, it's not just that, nor is it a person who's, who's, who innocently makes a lot of mistakes in life either. Uh, rather the Bible says that, you know, you are around a fool when they indicate that they, and here's the key phrase, despise wisdom and instruction. That's Proverbs 1, 7. So bottom line, they have no real interest in knowing and applying true wisdom. Uh, and at the core of this is that there's no fear or love of God in them. Uh, they, they know what is right and they know what is good. Uh, they just don't really need anyone else telling them what to do, <laughs> right? Um, so we, we see this attitude with people regarding choices related to marriages, parenting, employment, finances, leisure, fill in the blank. They're not interested in getting around wise men and women for the purpose of learning. Um, and, and when they do make a show of, of speaking or of seeking counsel, they consistently will explain that they're fine. Um, they don't really need to listen or to change in any way. Uh, so Proverbs 23, 9, for example, says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Proverbs 26, 11 through 12 says, like a dog that returns to its own vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. Yeah, that, that one's, again, pastorally very germane to pastoral work, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a person who just has already concluded that they know better, there's um, not much you can do. You and I have an inside joke where we talk about one man who was infamous for saying, I know, I know. He never did it. Right. But he and he it, it was interesting. He did know. Right. He just had no interest in doing it and his life is a billboard a folly. Um then the third one. So we have naive, then we have the fool, and then the scoffer. That's the next step up in evil. 
Uh, he actively mocks and resists wisdom in wise people. So this now is a person who is calloused against wisdom due to repeated resistance. Uh, they, they've developed a bevy of alternative perspectives that they believe are better than God's word and have no interest in lifting, listening to wisdom. They're really a waste of time to talk to because all they do is throw up new arguments. They're wearisome to be around and woe to any household with a scoffer within it. Here's a small tidbit of of simple wisdom if you have a scoffer around you. And that wisdom is get rid of them. Huh. Yeah, get rid of them. Uh, and you say, whoa, that seems harsh. No, actually make him go away. Here's what Proverbs 22.10 says. Drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. How many families have a 20-something who scoffs them and the word of God and yet they tolerate that that man or woman still living in their basement or something. It's like, send them out. Just send them out, and you'll find that your house will be a lot more peaceful. Uh, I'm fairly certain right now that there are people hearing this who will recoil against the statement. Surely not their adult child. Surely not that family member who comes to every meal on holidays and ends up creating nothing but dissension. With few exceptions, such as a spouse— there is no value in spending valuable time with these people. And when you choose to do so, you really exhibit that you're at best a naive one, and likely you are flirting with becoming a fool. So with those fun thoughts <laughs> in mind, uh, let us give you six basic qualities of a fool. And we would say judge yourself first, and then at that point you can move outward to your household and relationships. And... This can be rather enlightening, um, but at the same time, maybe a bit frightening. Amen. So the first one here would, is key. Uh, the natural bent um, of all people is toward folly. Um, so Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. So if you want to raise a fool, then literally you just need to do nothing. Yep. Um, by nature, we are fools, and so folly is what we will produce. It takes fighting and energy and diligence to bring people up in wisdom. And the reason for this is that um, you will fight with foolishness within yourself uh, for your entire life. And yet as a parent or an adult or a leader, you're also expected to instruct others in wisdom starting um, with God and, and love of his word. And that's hard work. Yeah. Um, Jerry Bridges uh, said something like this. He said, foolishness is the birthright of everyone. Yep. Second is that the fool is not open to correction and instruction. So Proverbs seventeen eleven, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Or Proverbs twenty seven twenty two. though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, Yet his folly will not de depart from him. Those those are brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, what he is. Yep. Yeah. Once you have a fool in your life, few things will affect him. Parents who raise a fool keep thinking that they'll somehow nag that child into wisdom, but they fail to grasp that words are simply ignored by their fool. Strong, painful consequences are usually the only thing that can get a fool to stop and think, and that is not even necessarily true. A hundred blows to a fool and they still think they know better, the proverb says. 
We pity the person who allows then a fool to be consistently in their company, and the whole time the person thinks if they just keep showing them love, that will eventually fix it all. What really happens is the fool acts like a leavening agent in their company, their church, their home, and they end up corrupting others. This is because the first point we made, folly, is in our hearts. Yeah. And the reason then that they don't heed correction that is, the, is now our third point, and that is that they think they are right. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Now, when you say listen, though, there, it's not talking about just Understanding. Yeah. Right. Embracing. Right. Right. It's putting into practice that which you've come to understand. Uh, Proverbs 26.5 also says, answer a fool according to his uh, folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Um, This is always a challenge because in our culture, it is seen as somehow an unloving act to act in this way. Uh, so when you have a fool spouting folly, the only thing that you can do in most cases is call them out for it. But then you get the legion of annoying people who descend from their high places to explain to you that you're not showing love or that this is not in keeping with Jesus. Um, but all that's really doing is showing that they don't really study the Bible or have a good grasp of the Proverbs. Yep. The fool thinks he's right. And so he demands that you prove otherwise, like the burden of proofs on you. Yep. Um And then what do they do? They keep rejecting your counsel because you're not convincing enough. Uh, So wisdom by its very nature uh, is, and here here would be a definition, it's the skillful application of God's word. Um, So I like that definition because it's not just the application, it's the skillful application. A lot of people use the Bible like a cudgel, right? They just kind of go in there. How many fathers have tried to raise up children and they just beat their children with the word? And that's not wisdom, right? It takes wisdom to say, right now we need a rebuke. Here we need encouragement. Here we need to listen. Here we need to model. That's that's hard. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, And so it's principle-based. That's what the Proverbs are. They're a bunch of principles, and it's principle-based, and that is not easy to defend to somebody who loves the argument, right? Um, So you, you tell the parent with an out-of-control child, for example, who can't sit still for an hour at the age of three, uh, you explain maybe how to address it and to train that child, um, and you're ignored. Um, you know, the, you'll get something like, that's your opinion. You know, we believe in a different method. Uh, that sounds a lot like legalism. <laughs> uh, on and on they go. But ignoring the fact that <laughs> their, their child is still disruptive, they're, they're still angry, they're still selfish. Um, and so the one thing that this parent knows, though, for a fact, is that you're still wrong. Yeah. Right? So then the fourth quality is that they're given to anger. The fool is given to anger. This makes total sense if you think about it. They believe they're right, and the wise person is wrong. They're not open to listen or heed godly counsel, and so they keep running into the consequences that God has built into this world, and it ends up creating a bitterness for them. Um They keep thinking, if such and such just got out of their way, or if this thing or that would just be a little different, then everything would be fine. The one thing they do not consider is that they are the likely the are likely the actual problem. So Proverbs fourteen seventeen, a quick tempered man acts foolishly, a man of evil 
devices is hated. We are a nation, actually, of fools now, from the top all the way down to the bottom. It's no surprise then that anger is seen so blatantly and violently today. We, we live in the culture of outrage, right? Mm-hmm. Why? It's just a bunch of fools all being outraged. Everyone is sure that it is somebody else's fault and that they don't have to take it or listen anymore. Yeah. And so the, the anger is not the product of righteousness, because there is such a thing as a righteous yeah, anger. Yeah. It's a product of sin. And so that is also why then the Proverbs will describe the fool as one who's justified in their own eyes, because they view this as yep. an issue of righteousness yep. when it's not. Um, but fifth, their life then will be marked by hurt. Hmm. Um, so this is hard for many to watch, but it is reality. Nevertheless, a fool does folly and then reaps folly. Uh, and it is that simple. And so life becomes very hard for them and for those even who are around them. Um, so Proverbs 11, uh, 13 verse 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Or Proverbs 9, 6, forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. If that other one, the one that the one who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And yet how many parents will tolerate their kids to have friends who are fools? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you understand your child will suffer harm because of that. Oh no, they're they're friends and no, we got it. We got it. And it's like, okay. And then Then you watch. You watch, yeah. yeah. So here a wise person grasps uh, what is happening and allows the harm actually to come to that person. Um, and that that is something that sounds harsh, but we would say it's not. In fact, Solomon tells us that if you rescue a person from their consequences, you're only going to have to do it again and again. Uh, wisdom says that actually you, you let the fool meet their folly and in all of its ugliness. And when it has washed over them, what do you do? You just try and offer wisdom again. Um, but you don't help them do their folly. You certainly don't financially support it, nor do you try and fix their problems. So let, let me be blunt, meaning you have kids that you're helping pay for their college, but they're doing folly. You're participating in their folly. You're helping them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let, they're making foolish choices. Let them pay for that. Let them begin to experience the consequences. Um, all you're really doing is hardening them um, and all of that because you're trying to love them somehow, but that's not love it's at not all. Love, yeah. uh, then finally, the sixth quality is that the fool loves to flaunt their folly. So Proverbs ten twenty three, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool and so is wisdom to a man of understanding. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. A, a wise man enjoys living out wisdom, that there he finds pleasure in that. But the fool loves to just do wickedness. Um, Proverbs 13, 16, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. Now, there's other passages, but these two are sufficient. The fool did not accidentally become a fool. They truly believe that they're right and know what they're doing. And this is why they get so angry when challenged by narrow-minded bigots like you. And so in reaction to this, they then throw their ugliness and folly up for all to see, and it's on full display today again in America. The fool finds foolishness 
to be his entertainment. And the fool loves company. And the fool will despise the one who refuses to participate and who withdraws from their companionship and folly. Mm-hmm. So here's how we would end this. Don't raise a fool. Uh, it hurts them. It hurts you. Frankly, it hurts society. And if you see one becoming a fool, then it is you must act decisively. You must act diligently to confront them and then redirect them. And this starts with a fear of the Lord. So learn what it is from other episodes, we would ask. Um, but it also involves putting away uh, your fear of those what ifs uh, and, and then begin to act in faith and in righteousness. So we hope this has been helpful, uh, even though it's a sobering and unpleasant topic. Um, but we will continue to give out these episodes, Lord willing, on how to live wisely as time allows. Uh, But until then, make sure to tune in, join this conversation. If you have any questions on the subject of wise living, simply drop us a note. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. (music) 